Good evening and welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by the Freedom's Path Recovery Society. We are not affiliated with any 12-step fellowship, nor do we wish to propose only one solution. We understand how different solutions can greatly increase an individual's chance of survival. We hope to illuminate some of the recovery process by sharing as many human stories as we can. Why, you might ask, to show that we can and do build stable lives from a former state of chaos, desperation, and hopelessness. Our stories become our strength. Please remember that any and all opinions shared and heard are those of the individuals and not a reflection of Freedom's Path Recovery Society or any other entity. So regardless of how crappy or wonderful our opinions might be to you, they still remain opinions, nothing more. You might hear swearing adult themes and situations, as well as the tragedies humans face and walk through every day. It is not suitable for children unless they are accompanied by a parent or guardian or have the explicit permission of those individuals. Tonight's guest is Clark. Uh, man, I don't even know how to describe this guy. I was thinking about it today. I was like, <laughs> how am I going to introduce Clark? Because the first time I saw one of your videos that you post to the, the intrawebs, uh, I was like, what is he doing? Is he actually naked? There was one you raised your underwear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, that's happened more than once. Yeah. Because um, he's like, I can't remember which time. Just tell me when. Several. <laughs> so I was looking at it and I'm like, dude, I got to talk to this guy about not only that, of course, because I've gotten to know you over the last few years. And, yeah. Um, your story is pretty incredible. And of course, your dance moves are legendary at this point. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, man. Welcome. <laughs> thank you. Right on. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Right yeah. on, dude. Yeah. So, you, uh, you willing to share your story with us? I can uh, share some of that with you, yes. Nice. <laughs> just a bit. Just a bit, you know, just keep you guessing, right? So, yeah, I don't know. My name's Clark, and I'm an alcoholic. And uh, Clark? Wow, I did that instinctively, didn't I? Yeah. 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 You've been in the rooms before, eh? <laughs> I've been I've been to one or two. <laughs> Sorry, man. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, it started off, you know... Um, uh, start off, I guess, from when I was a child, right? I grew up, uh, pretty much in a single parent home. Like my dad was, wasn't in the picture. He, he's in England. So I, I've only, I met him the first time when I was 14 years old. So, uh, I grew up, my mom raised me, my younger brother and my older sister. And, um, uh, I was obviously the middle child and I, uh, I like to get into trouble and mischief and, uh, my uh, my brother's dad, uh, he was my stepdad at the time, because my mother married him, and um, we had uh, we didn't have a very good relationship. Uh, it was so there was lots of tension in uh, in the household, and my mom would uh, they'd break up, get back together, or whatever. But my mom was the one that was always there raising us three kids, right? And um, so uh, from a young age, uh, you know, and even elementary school, I was getting into trouble. I don't know if it was acting out or if. I don't know exactly what it was, but uh, I I did okay in school. Like I wasn't uh, wasn't bad at school by any means, but uh, I was about grade I don't know maybe three when I started getting really into trouble and getting sent home, suspended, and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, so uh, I was a handful to say the least, and uh, <laughs> you know um, couldn't tell by looking at no, you. No, not at all. I, I look like an upstanding member of society for sure. Hundred <laughs> percent. So, um, yeah, uh, so 
for me being in trouble all the time, a lot of uh, my mom's focus was was on me. So that obviously caused some tension between my siblings. And uh, as a result, you know, I I I uh, wasn't really close with my siblings for for very long. You know, I I bullied my younger brother. Obviously, that's what an older brother does. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so my sister and my brother ended up being closer than than my relationship with my sister after that, and um, uh, yeah, so I just through school I was just you know I was just getting into trouble, fighting, and all that kind of stuff, and uh, went to different behavior classes and behavior schools and all this stuff, and um, I was about uh, I was in grade nine, and I, I think I was about fourteen, and. Uh, I had uh, got an altercation on the school bus going home, and I, whatever I got off the bus, I brandished a, a knife at the person, and as a result of that, I got kicked out of the school, and I wasn't allowed in any Calgary Board of Education school anymore. So, hmm. uh, so I sat at home for about a couple months before uh, they figured out what to do with me because I couldn't go to any school. I, w- I was a public school kid, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they eventually got me into this school called Hull Homes and, um, <laughs> <A> school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting choice of words to yeah. describe Hull Homes. Yeah. So <laughs> I got, I was a day student there, right? So I got to go home at night, but there was yeah. people that lived there obviously. And so, uh, I don't know exactly, you know, putting a bunch of bad kids into a school and expecting them to get better. That usually didn't work that way. So, you know, uh, I was quiet for the first month or so being there, just trying to get my surroundings. You know, I've never been in a place like that before. And it's pretty intense, that place. And uh, so I, I got what a bunch. What was it like, though, man? I don't mean to interrupt you, but like I've I have never gone through it, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Nor have I been in a position to talk to people after the fact. Yeah, well, I don't know. Like uh, when I was, it's changed a lot since I've been there. But when I was there, like each classroom had, had a timeout room. <laughs> so... Um, like I wasn't, I didn't live there. So like your parents had to sign a, a waiver or whatever saying that the teachers could restrain you if you got out of hand, right? So my yeah. my, my mom never saw, signed that. So oh. pretty much like I, if I ever got out of hand, like to the point where like they couldn't deal with me, they'd only just threaten to call the police on me and then I just leave the school. Yeah. <laughs> so like, but like kids that live there, like they could get restrained and put in the timeout room and like there's no door handle on the other in the inside so they just hold the door shut and kids would freak out and everything so it was uh it was pretty uh i don't know it was it was quite the place by by any means and um sounds like it yeah so <laughs> but like for the most part i didn't i didn't get in too much trouble occasionally i get out of hand and then they just threaten to call the police and then i just leave the school so i didn't want to go to jail right <laughs> so uh but yeah that's when i i obviously started meeting other kids that are like me and a lot worse than me and um that's when I first actually started drinking and doing drugs. I never even touched drugs or, or alcohol until that I went to that school. So, wow. uh, so there's yeah. something to that, hey, like putting a bunch of people together that maybe you don't want to put together. Yeah, like I don't understand. Like I don't know how they. There's lots of support there and everything, mm-hmm. but like for the most part, none of those kids wanted to be there. And some of the kids were there from. Uh, there was like this program called Track. So it was like kids come from CYOC and they live there. So they're like serving their jail term in there. So oh, it's okay. just like uh, like a halfway house almost. Yeah, it's like a halfway house for kids, and then they yeah. had like a secure treatment for like kids that hurt themselves and stuff. So mm. like there was all different walks of life, and they're like, I was a bad kid, but like a lot of those kids in there were like 
like I, they had like really bad upbringings. So like they were a lot more messed up than me, right? But mm-hmm. I managed to fit right in with them because obviously I had some problems too, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> I wasn't there by, by, by mistake by any means, right? Yeah. So I ended up staying there for a year and a half. But in that time, I, I met a bunch of friends and, you know, I started uh, started drinking for the first time. And then, uh, you know, I I liked it from the first moment I drank. I, I, I liked the way it made me feel. And I was already a pretty outgoing guy. I was a kind of a class clown, if you don't know. But uh, that's I was going to ask you. Yeah, about that. I yeah. know it. So that was a new development. Yeah, no. So uh, and then w- once I brought the alcohol, and then it was just uh, it just amplified that. And you know, I pretty much uh, I was the life of the party. I guess everyone wanted me to be around and party because mm-hmm. it was a good time, right? When I was there. So uh, you know, I, I just started doing that, and then uh, they. They sent me to um, Shaughnessy, I think it was Shaughnessy High School there for a little bit and just to try to integrate me into high school and I didn't like it. So then I went back to Hall Homes for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And then um, this whole time I was p- partying and stuff and wasn't really too fond of doing schoolwork at the time because, you know, partying was more fun, right? So Way more fun. Uh, so this whole year and a half I've been out away from like the people that I went to school with and like, you know, grew up with, right? So... Uh, grade 11, I got, uh, I went to, uh, Aberhart high school, which, uh, you know, all the kids that I grew up with, they were there, there, and they didn't know where I was. And so I just slowly got back in there, but I don't know, uh, from being away from like, the people that I went to school with for so long, I got new friends or whatever. So I had some, a few friends there, but for the most part, I didn't really, I didn't really hang out at school too much. I just was smoking weed and everything. And, uh, you know, I just. I just uh, wouldn't go to class too often, right? So as a result, I got kicked out of grade, in grade 11. And uh, um, me and my brother, <coughs> this one night, we uh, we're, we always fight. And my mom worked uh, evenings a lot of times. She was a nurse, so she was working at a nursing home. So mm-hmm. a lot of times she'd be gone. So it'd just be me and my brother home because my sister would be at work too or off or whatever. She was older than us. So a lot of time it'd just be me and my brother at home. And we'd obviously get in altercations and... Uh, this one time, uh, we ended up having a fight in the kitchen and, uh, the stove had recently got turned off. Like we just cooked something or whatever. And we were fighting in the kitchen and his hand got burnt, but I didn't like purposely do it, but he got burned on his hand. And, you know, like always, whenever, whenever I like assaulted my brother, he'd, <laughs> he'd, he'd call my mom and like cry and all this stuff. Right. So yeah. the, her, her first reaction is like, you know, what the fuck Clark, you know? And, uh. You burnt his hand, like she, like he described it as like I put his hand on the stove and oh, purposely yeah. burnt him, but it wasn't. It was an accident, right? So, uh, so she called the police, obviously, and I knew that. So I, I heard the cops come in the house, and like I was living in the basement at the time, so I just like crawled out the basement window under the deck and I left until the police decided to go on their merry way, right? So, uh, and then this time we were about to move to the northeast, where. Um, I grew up in the Northwest my whole life until then in Ranchland. So uh, we were in the process of moving. So I hadn't talked to the police yet. So we moved into our new place in Temple. And uh, the police the officer had called my mom. And uh, uh, he, he said, oh, I'll be there in about half an hour. And I was like, you know, fuck that. I'm out of here. And my mom wouldn't let me leave. She was standing in front of the door. <laughs> and like, I've always had a good relationship. Like I've 
been a bad kid, but I'd never like, you know, push my mom or do anything disrespectful like that. So I'm just like, get out of the way. I'm going. Right. And, uh, obviously, uh, the cop was, was just saying that he was going to be there in 30 minutes. He was there and like, he was actually like right out front of my door. So when I was just about to go, uh, the door opened and he was there and he arrested me. And because it was an assault on my brother, you know, he was like saying, oh, you're going to go to jail for six months or whatever. And I'd been in, uh, I went, I got arrested previously when I was 15 for uh, robbing this kid. Well, he stole a discman from me. My friend stole it. So then I caught him in the back alley and I took it back from him. And then he, he proceeded to call the police on me. And, and uh, he said that I, I robbed him <laughs> and it was my own discman. So uh, he was with his other friends. So they like coordinated this like statement. So like, oh, well, these guys are telling both the same thing. I was like, yeah, because, you know, I, uh, they were both friends and they were there. They, yeah. so they made this thing up. Right. So. I ended up going to jail for like a weekend when I was 15 and then I got out. So my first charge when I was 15 was like a robbery. Jeez. And uh, like, it's not a, like I'd never been in trouble with the law before till then. Right. But mm-hmm. uh, that's not a good charge to have by any means. Right. So I ended up having to do like uh, probation or whatever. And I completed that. But so when this, uh, when this assault happened, uh, the, the officer's like, Oh, you're going to go to, you're going to be in CY for six months. Don't worry talking to my mom he'll he'll do school and the other and everything he'll be okay and and uh so i'm like i'm kind of scared i'm like well i don't want to go there i was there for a weekend i didn't like it. i don't want to go for six months yeah. right and uh obviously the cop doesn't know what he's talking about i, I was out uh, like the next day because yeah. i was 17 years old and uh so i just uh they gave, put me out of my own recognizance kind of thing and i was out the next day so i called my mom and i'm like uh i'm out she's like what and i'm like uh yeah they let me out she's like oh well I'm like, well, I don't know what to do now. I'm, I have no contact order with my brother now, so I can't even live in my own house. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so I'm like, this is pretty. And I'm 17, and I'm yeah. and I'm still going to school at this point, and I'm like, uh, I don't know what to do. So, lang- thankfully, my my aunt and uncle, she, uh, my aunt uh, took me in there. Hmm. So uh, I was on probation or whatever for a while, and uh, I stayed there for a couple months, and then. Uh, well, I was on probation, I had to go to psychiatrists or whatever. Like I'd been going through those for like years through school. They always send me them, but mm. I never, nothing ever happened because I didn't want to be there. Right. I usually wouldn't talk. Right. So it was just a waste of time. So, Word. yeah. So if, if you don't, if you're not willing to go, like it's really not going to do anything for you. Right. So, but I met this nice, uh, I think she was like a psychiatrist or whatever. And she got me into this program, uh, it was called McBride and it was, they had like a youth program at the time. I started going there and they paid you to go, which was cool. That's why I was going there. Like they, we get like, like a minimum wage, but we, every two weeks we get a check. Right. So I was like, oh, it's pretty sweet. But again, like they put a bunch of like, these are all like bad kids, like from like probation <laughs> and stuff. They put them all together. Right. And, uh, uh, obviously I started hanging out with those people and, um, you know, up until this point, I'd only drank and smoked weed and, I did acid and mushrooms a bit, but, uh, you know, I've never done anything harder than that. And then I met this girl and we started hanging out and she was hanging out with like all these older guys. Right. And, uh, then I was introduced to crack and, um, yeah, that was first from the first time I did it. It was like, uh, yeah, it wasn't good. You know, like, uh, I liked it a lot and, mm. you know, uh, 17 years old and, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it was a crazy scene I was getting into and, um, so I remember I had just, we just smoked up all night or whatever. And we were supposed to go to the class the next day to get our, to get our checks or whatever. And I, and I didn't go in the day before. So they're, they weren't going to give me my check. 
So like I was like, and like I'm like just jonesing because I've been up all night, right? Mm. And so I just like you know the addict mind, you know we get, we got to do what we got to do to get what we got to get, right? So. And you know, I just made up this big like story that I, I hold these drug dealers and like, mm-hmm. I just like started crying in front of the, the people just to like, no, I need to pay these people. Right. I was just like, just put it on this big show. Right. Mm-hmm. And it worked. They gave me my check. Right. And like, uh, it was gone that day. Right. But like just that kind of stuff, like, you know, what we can go through to, to get our, our mm-hmm. drugs. Right. Like we're very manipulative. We're very, you know, smart. And like, if I just apply that into sobriety, you know, like, man, <laughs> like, crazy or what we could do right yeah. so uh you know that's that's went on and uh i ended up going back to school in grade 12 and uh i ended up getting kicked out just like grade 11 for just not showing up nothing mm-hmm. really serious but we had moved back to the northwest after we only stayed in the northeast for a little bit and um as soon as i turned 18 oh it was on like i was drinking every day like mm-hmm. i i had a, i had got a job working at a steel factory and I don't know how I managed to keep it for like a year, but I did like, I was, <laughs> it still to the day baffles me how mm-hmm. I managed to keep that job. But you know, so every time I get paid, like I'd pay rent cause uh, I, me and my mom and my sister were paying for this place. So uh, I'd pay rent, make sure it was paid. And then I just spend the rest on, on whatever. And my buddy was selling dope at the time. So a lot of time I just front off him. So like when my check comes, it's just rent. And then like, you know, it's gone already. Right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I just started drinking all the time. It just got worse and worse. And uh, my my dad had come over to see me when I was 18, actually. So he came over there and, uh, yeah, it was really, really hardcore into drinking. Like, mm-hmm. just like blacking out all the time, just doing stupid stuff, right? And so uh, this one night I ended up coming home. For some reason, I just I just wanted to go steal stuff or whatever. So I'm in the back of my alley. And I was like, uh, there was a truck just a few few houses down. So I broke into the truck, stole a few things or whatever, and came back to my house. And my mom's car was in the back back in the driveway there. And so I put all this stuff I just stole. Uh, There's like, what was it? It was like some porn magazines in this guy's truck <laughs> and like a football, just like some stupid <laughs> shit. I'm like, and I put it on the back of her truck or on her car for some reason. I went back in the house. I went into my bedroom and I'm like, uh... So I went back outside and then I, I walked down the alley to the end of my alley. For some reason, I was like the back of this place and I kicked out the the basement window of this place and it was loud, right? So I ran away and then I just waited a couple minutes and I came back and I jumped in the freaking, in the window and, uh, and I'm like looking around and uh, there's like all this, like, <laughs> there's all these like toys and shit around i'm like what the fuck is this and and uh then there's like uh there's like a security light that's like turns on so i'm like just punched it and like ripped it off the wall because it just like flashed on right so i was like take that off and then uh there's like a dvd player like back in those days like dvd players were like top of the line they were like Mm -hmm. worth a lot of money so it's like on there i'm like i need the d trying to rip it off like it's mounted right it wouldn't come off so then i'm like oh whatever then there's like a computer there so i start to like try to get on this computer and I'm just looking around. There's like all this stuff. Like I couldn't, I didn't put two and two together at the time. And then I'm like, oh, whatever. And then I go to go out the back where I came in. And all of a sudden this cop right there with the spotlight. And I'm like, just jump down. And I'm like, oh shit. And then, so the place is surrounded. And uh, so they run up and the cops are like, get out. And I'm like, I can't get out. I can't get out the window. So they like pull me through the glass. It's all (laughs) smashed out. And they're like, get on the fucking ground. I'm like, I'm on the ground. And they stomp on my head or whatever. And, throw me in the back of the the paddy wagon and uh 
they thought someone else was with me. I'm like, no one else is with me. And so they arrested me and go to go to the uh, holding cells. And this is the first time I'm 18 or whatever. So I'm like, oh, I'll get out on my own on my own accord, right? And uh, so they charged me with a B and E. Uh, and it turns out that he, like. The end of my street's a fucking daycare. So I broke into this daycare. Oh, shit. <laughs> so I was like, oh, man. Like, just, like, how retarded. I was like, well, that's why there's all these toys in there and shit. Like, breaking into a daycare at 3 o'clock in the morning, trying to go on the computer and shit. Like, holy. So uh, I was like, oh, man. So they um, they ended up releasing me the next day. I went downtown and because it was my first adult charge. I got out on my own, own recognizance or whatever. But I was like, okay, good. I can just go home. They're not going to know anything, right? But because I had previously took all that stuff and put it on my mom's car, they had the canine out looking around, right? So they sniffed to my my house, and then the cops came to my house that night. And uh, so I go to oh, knock on the door of my house, and my dad answers, and he's like, "I was like, hey, I was, I was like, what are you doing?" I'm like, "What do you mean?" So they already knew that I was like, "Oh shit!" And so, <laughs> so like, uh, yeah, my dad seen that I had a problem, right? So. Yeah. The remainder of this time, he came down for about three weeks. The remainder of his time, I, I stayed out of trouble or whatever. But as soon as he was gone, I was right back into it. Yeah, and then I blacked out again because I was drinking every day. And uh, I don't know what it was about this place, but, like, I, I ended up trying to, like, rob this guy on the street pretty much in front of my house. I pulled a knife on him, told him give me his shit, and then he ran away. And it turns out this guy, like, lived, like, three houses down for me <laughs> i'm like fuck and it was actually the guy that that i had broken into his truck too like oh, <laughs> but he didn't know that i did that shit right but yeah i was just like so I, as soon as i tried to rob this guy he ran away and i'm like oh whatever i was i was with my buddies they like i went to go meet them and so we're in the field just like across from my house and we're all just drinking there and whatever and then like me and my one buddy like we bet on my one friend and, and this other guy to fight they never even met each other before but i was like fight them so we're like betting on me and my buddy are just sitting there like laughing drinking watching these two guys that don't even know each other just beat the shit out of each other and then all of a sudden out of nowhere like all these cops drive up on the the field and stuff and like i had totally forgot i just tried to rob this guy like and they're like they're like uh the guy drove up in his truck and he's yeah. like that's the guy and i'm like the guy for what i didn't what are you talking about yeah. so like they're trying to throw me in the paddy wagon i'm like i'm not going in there putting my foot in there I'm, i didn't do anything i didn't do anything yeah. so they managed to throw me in there and obviously i was the only one that went to jail and uh the cop interrogated me or whatever and like i was just right out of it and that's the first time i ever went to remand and uh you know it was kind of a <clears throat> You know, CY wasn't that bad, but Remand was pretty scary for your first time, especially being 18. I'm just like looking around. I'm like, oh, this is this is going to be my life if I keep it up, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, and I started talking to people in there and uh, telling them my charges. And they're like, well, you're going to the pen, man. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, like my first time in Remand, they're like, you're going to the pen. You're doing some years. And I'm like, oh, man. So I'm like, really, like I'm pretty shook up, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and uh, so they uh, – I ended up, in there, I was in there for three weeks before I got bail. You know, so they charged me with robbery and possession of a weapon. And uh, so it wasn't looking too good for me. And yeah. uh, during this time, my mom had, uh, had they had to move out of the place because I wasn't able to stay there and help pay rent. So my sister got her own place. My mom was staying with her friend at the time. I got out and my... Uh, my sister had let me move in with her because uh, I had nowhere else to go, right? Mm-hmm. So 
she let me move in with her. Well, I was in remand. I was like, oh, I'm going to straighten out, right? I'm going to get it within like two days. I was already smoking weed and, and drinking again, right? And like it's just the disease, right? You just don't even, you know, listen. And I was on house dress too. And I wasn't supposed to be drinking. I wasn't supposed to do anything. Mm-hmm. Within like two days, I was right back in there, right? And uh, so I, I was trying to stay home. I was just drink it in the basement or whatever and not getting into too much trouble. But it wasn't long before I was going out and whatever. Like I didn't listen to any of that stuff. And wasn't too long before you know i blacked out again and i i really messed up and this was in it was in december because i know it was really cold i went to a party i drank like a 40 pounder of bacardi went home and my sister used to always keep her keys on the uh on the key rack there right by the door so i was like oh it's a good idea i'm gonna go gonna go take it for a rip you know so i uh took her keys went in her car and I uh, I started driving, cruising around the city like an idiot, and <laughs> yeah, it was it was messed up. Okay, like I was driving around, I picked up my buddy, and I got him to. <laughs> okay, I got him to go to. We were going to like the source adult videos. Okay, <laughs> I was like, I don't know what it was, but I was like, I went, I drove him there, and I was like, you're gonna go steal some DVDs, right? <laughs> so he's like going in, he's stealing these DVDs, and then like the one guy like started chasing him. So like we're in the northeast, he fucking starts running, and I'm like, oh fuck, just left him, right? I'm like, whatever, he'll he'll get home then. <laughs> so then I drove as I'm driving home. I'm doing like 80 kilometers an hour and I'm going to go down a, a turn on the Northland Drive there. And I drove over the Meridian there and uh, I'm driving on the wrong side of the road. But it's like four in the morning, so there's no cars out or anything. So I'm driving and then I'm, I'm starting looking and I'm like, I start to see sparks. I'm like, what the hell? So I like pull over and I see that like my, my the front uh, rear tire, I think it was, is like fucked up like it's it's messed up so i'm like oh man what am i gonna do like i got a great idea i'm just gonna drive this home and so driving it home like four o'clock in the morning down john Lorry boulevard flooring it okay and i'm going about 30 kilometers an hour sparks flying i like i don't god was on my side that night for sure because there wasn't a car on the road anywhere like i drove it all the way back to my sister's house parked it in her stall put the key back on the hook and I fucking grabbed a bag of clothes and I fucked off. And, um, I didn't talk to my family for a week. You know, they were trying to call like my sister always called mm-hmm. the police on me, but they didn't catch me in it. They can't do anything. So, you know, I had an amend to make there for sure. So 18 years old, it's December. I'm freaking homeless. And, you know, like, uh, all my friends I had were drinking buddies or whatever. So they weren't, you know, if you had, if you had booze and yeah, let's drink, but if mm-hmm. you're not like, you know, fuck off kind of thing. Right. So did a buddy's place here. So wait, there. if you guys didn't have booze, you didn't hang around talking about feelings. No, we didn't, we didn't do that too really? often. No, no. I don't know, man. That seemed like it was pretty consistent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, um, I never been to a homeless shelter or anything that mm-hmm. like I've been in the Northwest my whole life. So, you know, I, I didn't want to ask for help for anyone because I got too much pride, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, and uh, <clears throat> so I'd pretty much just get drunk and pass at a train stations. And um, yeah, that's what I did for a couple weeks anyways. I remember this one time, I think it was actually New Year's Eve because I, I was able to, my sister let me come there for Christmas and, and then I had to leave after that. So New Year's Eve, I got all drunk and then 
I ended up I ended up stay, uh, passing out at um, Dalhousie train station, and I guess one of my friends had had seen me there, passed out, where I was like behind like the schedule and whatever, mm. just sleeping, right? <laughs> but like I never gotten any like transit cops never really bothered me because I was I was dressing good back then. I didn't look like a bum or anything. I dressed well. Like a couple times they like try to wake me up. I was at Brentwood station or whatever. I'm like, oh, I just had a long night. I'm going to work, you know. So I was like dressed good. And they're like, okay, just go on. And so I never got in trouble that way, but someone's tapped me on the shoulder and i was like look up it's my mom and um somebody called my mom that i was passed at a train station mm. so you know she <clears throat> i did at by this time she was uh she was staying at my sister's house yeah so uh she snuck me in and i stayed there overnight and i left in the morning or whatever it was about three weeks of being homeless it wasn't very fun at all you know especially mm. in the winter time it wasn't fun at all so uh, I ended up bumping into my drinking buddy. We used to drink all the time. So he's like, oh, I got a place. I got a place. I'm renting a room over in, by the university. Come over. You can come stay with me. I'm like, oh, that sounds good. And he was like 17 at the time. And I was I was 18. So I was like, yeah, sure. So uh, And it was like a, kind of like a boarding place for like uh, uh, university students, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like he just had this room. There's like a little kitchen there if you want to use it. So like... I was only there for about three days, always be able to drink every day and just get just annihilated, right? So it was me, this girl, his buddy, and his girl. So there's about five of us there. And this girl that I brought over, they didn't like her for some reason. So I was like, whatever. And uh, so we just drank like a lot of booze. And um, we, uh, I had to go to the liquor store again. So I went to the liquor store and it's like, by this time it was beginning of January and it was like minus 30. I was cold mm-hmm. and I'm just wearing a leather jacket. So I went to go get booze and I come back and they had locked the door on me. And I was, I don't know what they thought they were doing. Like if they thought it was a joke or funny, but they locked the door on me and it's cold out. And I'm like banging on the door. I'm like, open the door. And they're like downstairs. They're like having no part of it. Like locked me out. I don't know why they thought mm-hmm. it was funny, but so I just went into like uh, alcoholic rage and it was like an old door and it was like half of it was glass. So I just put my fist through the glass, opened the door up and uh, I uh, I just went crazy. I told them I was going to kill them all and like they're pretty scared, right? Mm-hmm. So they uh, they all locked themselves in the, in, the, in the room in one of the other rooms and I went downstairs and grabbed a bat or whatever and told them I was going to kill them all and... Um, my buddy was there. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, like, why are you guys locking me out of the house? Like, don't do that shit, right? And they stayed in the room or whatever. And I had just had, just had sex with this girl, right? And so she's in the bed. She's in the bed naked. I was about to go out, uh, go outside and I seen the cops there. So I went back in. I went, I went in the bed uh, into the buddy's room with the girl and like I closed the door and locked it. And they're like, the cops are trying to get in the door and the girl as was she was crazy too she's like fuck you you fucking assholes you're not getting in here <laughs> and uh so i'm like laying there pretending i'm sleeping or whatever and they took her out naked the cop threw her over his shoulder and took her out naked i was mm-hmm. like oh what and then they they put me in handcuffs because they're like you assaulted the, you know, i was like i didn't do anything and i had all this i had like a, my backpack or whatever with like their stuff supposedly whatever so they, they arrested me and I went to jail and I didn't know what I was charged with at this point. And they're like, mm. they took me, first they took me to the, to the, um, the old eighth and eighth clinic there. Cause I had cut my finger on the door. So I was bleeding all over the place. So they took me there. 
Uh, they didn't even need stitches. They, I literally went there and they put a bandaid on my finger. <laughs> the doctor's like, oh, you don't need stitches. They put a bandaid on. I'm like, oh, thanks. And then they took me down, down. And I was being pretty belligerent to the cops the whole time. I was I was living them off pretty bad. And I usually didn't do that too often. I usually tried to like be nice to them and get my, get my way out of there, right? Mm-hmm. Like just being... Like I've had friends that like lip and then they beat up and right. So I'm like, what's the point of that? You know, you get more flies with honey. Oh man. yeah. Like I've, I talked my way out and, and got rides home from police before. And mm-hmm. like, they have no idea who like, it's, it's crazy. Right. But so yeah, but they're just people. If you're nice. They'll yeah, exactly. Be nice. Yeah, it's yeah. like, why you gotta be like that. Right. Yeah. So like I've got rides from whatever, but, uh, so they take me to jail and then I, I ended up going to remand again and I didn't know, uh, what I was charged with right away until I seen the JP and, they put charged me with like there was like five people there so they charged me like five counts of uttering death threats or whatever and like possession of weapons so i had like nine charges or whatever i was like whoa Jeez, dude. yeah and i was like are you serious and at this time i forgot to say like my mom had been diagnosed with cancer shortly mm-hmm. after i got out of jail the first time mm-hmm. so that was weighing heavy on me so that's I had a big part of me drinking lots more and whatever, right? You're so, close to your mom. So. Yeah. She was like my my rock, kind of like mm. she was always there for me, right? So, you know, I ended up in jail. I was I was in there for two months. It was actually good for me because I, I stayed there for the winter, right? So, like, mm. I, you know, I had a nice warm place to go for the winter, right? So, two months went by and I had this lawyer and... uh he was uh he was actually in the program too so it was he was he was my lawyer for my other for my robbery charge which i'm still was still up on right so i was on probation for that and then i got caught with on this other charge so then i got all these other charges going in and i'm like holy right so um he's he was my lawyer for the whole time and he had like 30 years sobriety and he's like trying he's like yeah i know where you've been right and so uh i know and and this this judge that i had she was uh she was a real hard ass, right? Like, but if you worked with her, mm-hmm. like she'd she'd help you out, right? So, you know, uh, I remember like she this one guy was supposed to get a conditional sentence, and he messed up on her pretrial uh, on the release, and like she sentenced him to fifty four months in the pen. So I'm like, and like when she's, she's like, I can put you in jail for ten years for the for this uh, robbery charge, and I was like, oh what, you know, like so mm-hmm. I was pretty shook, right? So, and oh, I ended up. I don't know how, but I got out on the, on those charges. I was still having to deal with them. I got, no, I got out. I got four months time served because they, I kind of used my, like, cause my mom was, you know, going through cancer and ever. So mm-hmm. my lawyer told that she's like, he's like, oh, I understand. So the judge gave me time served for it. So, uh, I ended up getting out, still went back to my, at this time, my mom had got a, uh, she was still, I was still living with her, with my sister. So I got out and I still had nowhere to stay really, right? So I it was a little nicer out now, so it was okay. And then, you know, uh, I ended up, uh, I kept going back there. When my sister was at work, my mom would let me come there and I'd shower and change, eat or whatever and go back out and pretty much just do, pretty much was just, just getting drunk and high wherever I could, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you know that, that was pretty much my life or whatever. And then uh, it came to a point where my sister was finding out what she, what I what she was doing, letting letting me come there, and mm-hmm. it just caused tension with my with my mom and my sister, and um, so she ended up uh, <clears throat> kicking my mom out of the house, and uh, she was obviously you know she was going through cancer still, so um, 
it was a tough go. So she had this van at the time, this big like Aerostar van, right? So I know for um, for about two weeks, I I, uh, I slept in the van with my mom. You know, we'd uh, we just go wherever, and I'd uh, we'd sleep in the van. You know, like that's where my choices and my actions brought me. Right, like I felt real bad about that because you know my mom's always been there, and because of what she did to help me, it has caused you know us both to be homeless. Right, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, it was about two weeks, and then my mom got a, a place to stay with her friend. So. But uh, it was way down in the south in Woodbine, actually, where good old Hull Holmes is. So I brought back memories, and mm-hmm. so I go there once in a while, and like she'd leave the door, the the door unlocked, so I go back there and sleep or whatever. And but I wouldn't go there too often because it was so far out. And I was used to, I was always staying up in the northwest because that's where I was familiar with, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I ended up getting to move in with my buddy. He was living in Edgemont, and you know we just partied more and more and. You know, just the lifestyle it was, right? And um, <clears throat> just continued on for a while. And then my mom ended up getting a place, uh, an apartment in Calgary Housing and Ranchlands, actually. So for both of us. So I was like, great. So we ended up getting a place together. And, you know, her cancer was in remission at the time. So she was, she didn't go back to nursing. So she went back to, uh, she was w- just working at the Tim Hortons and Crowfoot uh but she was working night shift, so she was working 11 p.m. till 7 a.m. in the morning. And, you know, for me, that's good for me because I can party all night while she's gone to work. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. Like, when she was gone, I'd just party all night. Mm-hmm. She'd come home in the morning, and there'd be, like, fucking people passed out all over the place. Like, yeah. you know, but she she was, like, as long as I was at home, like, not getting in too much trouble. But, mm-hmm. you know, the cops had come to my apartment several times for noise complaints or whatever. And mm-hmm. usually I'd just jump off the balcony because there's only two stories. I was on the second floor. I'd jump off the back balcony and hop the fence and leave. And uh, so once in a while, my buddies would open the door to the police. I was like, what are you opening the door? And they'd come in and I'm like, just like, don't answer the door. So they caught on to uh, me jumping over the back. So the next time they, they surrounded the place, right? So <laughs> I remember this one time, like... Um, uh, we picked up this guy. There was a bunch of us at the train station, and uh, uh, we were just talking to this one dude. I thought my buddy knew him, and my buddy thought he knew uh, that I knew him. So this dude just came with us to my house. We're drinking, <laughs> and uh, like the people I associate with were messed up just like me, and some of them were a lot crazier than me, and you know, mm-hmm. just the fueling the alcoholism and whatever. So I remember this one time they, uh, this guy, like he's just. You know, he's just there to party, have a good time. And my, uh, my buddy just, just was just egging him on. Just like, so he hit the guy once and then, then I just hit him hard and the guy busted his nose up like all over my floor. And like, my buddy is like little nuts in the head. He grabbed the guy's ID and he's like, I know where you live. He's like, he say anything, I'll kill you. And I was like, <laughs> and we're like making this guy clean up his own blood off the floor. And like, it was, it was pretty traumatic for the dude like he thought he was just gonna go have a couple beers at the house right and now he's like cleaning up his own blood and like so it was pretty crazy and then so he ran away and uh, uh nothing ever happened of it and then like uh, like about a week later i was at my house by myself and the police surrounded my apartment and, I, and i'm thinking that might have been what it was but i wasn't too sure because mm-hmm. we did lots of stuff so like uh they stayed at my house for about a good hour and uh I waited till they left and then I, I left the house and 
it was like I think it was a Thanksgiving, I think, and I had left the house all day because I was tripped out. I'm like, I'm going to jail. I don't know what I'm going to jail for. Like, I'm I'm really scared and yeah. I'm staying away from the house. And I'm like, call my mom. Did anybody come by the house? What do you mean? Anybody call? No. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I went home and <laughs> nothing ever came of it. So I don't know if, if they're looking for somebody else or what, but they never came back to the house. Mm-hmm. As a result of all the noise complaints, uh, well, my mom was at work. Um, they had to... They were either going to kick my mom out or they had, I had to get off the lease and move out. So I was like, okay, I don't want, because my mom's always been there for me. I don't want her to be homeless again. So I just, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave. And uh, at this point, you know, I've been going to court for a while and uh, I kind of figured I could play the system. So like, uh, I'd never been to treatment at this point. So I went to uh, Sunrise and I did it all on my own. I went and checked myself in, got into Sunrise and um i didn't really go because i didn't really i didn't really want to stay sober i just wanted to do this because i don't want to go to jail you know like and i had been to a, a meeting once prior with my buddy he had like a year and a half i went to the old garnet block and i was like yeah this isn't for me and i didn't come back so i ended up going to treatment i was doing pretty good in there like the whole time you know i'm dealing with so much stuff with my mom and all this stuff and all these charges weighing over me and I was doing pretty good and I had this this roommate and he was like uh he was like in his 50s as an old like rigger from the rigs and like real rough guy and uh you know I still um I was still associating with the people that I used to associate with like I'd still talk to him on my passes or whatever and this guy's like he's like oh can you get me some dope so I was like oh sure I'll get you some dope so <clears throat> I've got him like a ball of crack or whatever and this is like our last week there. Like we're we're graduating on the Friday. This is a, on a Saturday. We have our pass, and I'm like, oh yeah, sure. So I get it for him, and uh, I just did a couple hoots of it or whatever. And uh, it was too sketchy being high in the treatment center, especially when like our room is right across from like the the office where like the counselors sit. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, and we like all had our own like um, washrooms or whatever in our. So like he's in the washroom all night with the shower going just just giving her right and mm-hmm. the next day we went to a meeting and he just left and never came back so i ended up staying i i graduated the program they didn't know nothing like i could hide it pretty good mm-hmm. and then uh i went right from there up to high level to a treatment center up there for long term and uh i only lasted about a month and a half and they kicked me out just for i don't know just behavior i guess and uh <clears throat> so i met a buddy up there and he got kicked out the following week so I came back to town and uh, I got into an Oxford house for the first time. I'm living there. Uh, things are going pretty good. I got a job. My buddy that I met up there, he he got me a job at this place. So we're working there for a little bit. And uh, uh, I had I was living in Temple at the time. So I had surveillance coming all the time. I have to go out there, show them my ID. Like, mm-hmm. It was like a midnight curfew I had or whatever. So I show them my ID and then... Uh, it wasn't too long. I like I still I never I never let go of my friends. I always had them, you know, so because I didn't really want to stay sober, right? Mm-hmm. So I always had those people right there. So the one time my buddy wanted to um, to go get some blow or whatever, so I go see my my buddy. He's like staying. He, he used to stay with me before. Like I had known him for a while, and he was staying in the, the Banff Trail Motel, mm-hmm. the nicest one in the city, right? And he's in he's. He's staying in this tiny little hotel room with his girlfriend, like two cats. And I'm like, and there's like stuff everywhere. And I'm like, cause I used to smoke crack with this guy. Right. And I'm like, this isn't, these aren't, this isn't what this is all about now. And I'm like, 
the one day he didn't have blow. So he's like, oh, try this. And I was like, what is it? He's like, meth. And I was like, oh, okay, sure, I'll try it. And, like, I had curfew, right? And, like, I didn't go home. I stayed there all night uh, playing a Game Boy for, like, eight hours straight. <laughs> People coming and going, and I'm like, what is this drug, right? And uh, I was just like, this is uh, this is pretty crazy. I ended up going back to my Oxford house, and, uh, like, I was seeing shadow people. I was tripping mm-hmm. out, and, like, turn on the TV, and, of course, like, this is when meth kind of just started coming in. It's like, 2007 or something. Like, it just started coming around, and uh, it was still pretty small, but there was a documentary on the TV about crystal meth, <laughs> and there's, like, the chief of police or whatever talking about it, and I'm mm. sitting there my first time, and they're saying how this stuff's so bad, and, like, and like it just tripped me right out, right? And I'm like, I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. So the good guy that I was, the smart man that I was, I was like, you know what? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get I'm gonna help my buddy that's staying at the Banff Trail Motel. You don't need to live there, man. You should get out of there. Me and my buddy are working. Let's go get a place together. He's making lots of money. Like he's paying eighty dollars a day to live there, but he's too tripped out to go rent a place. No one's gonna mm-hmm. rent him a place. So he's paying like almost three grand to stay in a little one bedroom. Me and my one buddy, we look more respectable. We go, we end up getting a place up on 4th Street there and this house. And, you know, that's where uh, my disease really progressed. You know, uh, yeah, I got into the to the mess scene you know, really bad. And all the people that associate in that lifestyle, it was just, it was pretty crazy. Like I, you know, I'd always party with everybody. Like that whole lifestyle, it was just, uh, it was a, it was a, quite the trip. You know, I started... Uh, Cause my buddy was selling Coke and crack, but he was doing meth. And, uh, I started selling for him and he, he always sleep lots or whatever. I like to be up for days. So I started selling and then I started selling for this other guy. So I was working, I started doing my own thing. And, uh, we had uh, a couple older guys upstairs with this, with his girlfriend. They were going to, cause me and my other buddy, the one that rented the place to me, we had a falling out. He left because you couldn't take the drugs or whatever. And I loved the scene, right? Mm-hmm. So, but the people that were coming around and associated with, it was just, uh, I couldn't get out of it. it but, but I loved it. I was addicted to that that mm-hmm. chaos, the lifestyle, all the the partying, you know. And uh, yeah, it. Uh, my buddy had all these guns all the time. And uh, it came came to head with uh, one of the guys upstairs because they, they – They'd go do crime or whatever to buy drugs off us. So we didn't really, me and my buddy didn't really do crime. Well, besides sell drugs, obviously. But, you know, we didn't really, we didn't go steal stuff or anything. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they went and did whatever. So like my backyard was like, we had like a single garage and there was like, they go do big copper scores. We'd have like huge piles of copper and like they'd be burning the the shit in the backyard at five in the morning. And we're right across from the fire hall the one day. And I'm like, what are you doing? There's like 15 foot black cloud. And he's like, oh, I got to get the copper out. And I'm like, man, put this shit out. <laughs> Luckily, the cops never came there. It was crazy. But so I had a falling out with this one guy upstairs. He had just got out of the uh, out of remand again for being an idiot, obviously. And he was, he tried to muscle my buddy cause my, my buddy was kind of passive. He, he didn't really confrontation or anything or anything like that. So, uh, uh, I just, I went up to the guy and said, when are you going to pay the rent? And he's all like, he's like, fuck you, you goof, get out of here. And then, so at this point I, I had just recently bought like a sawed off shotgun. So like, I just lost it. I was like, oh yeah. And then, uh, so I go in my, my room and I go grab my shotgun. I, I, I load it. 
and he's about to come down the stairs and I was like, fuck you. I was about to shoot him. And uh, the other guy's girlfriend, she's like, what are you doing, Clark? She got in the way. Like, thank mm-hmm. God, because like I probably would have shot him in the head. Like, mm-hmm. that's how the, it was like not good. Right. Yeah. So she got in the way and uh, he left like he was scared. Right. And then I left and I started uh, I was starting to see this this escort girl. She was like 40. and I was like 21. So uh, I started seeing this chick. And so I went and stayed at her place for a bit. And, uh, and then she was into crack. She was buying crack off me or whatever. So then I, I slowly got away from smoking meth and I started smoking crack and, uh, I, I fronted a bunch of dope from buddy and I just, just smoked it all. And then I started, uh, ripping off all my customers. So pretty, so wasn't that long before I had nothing again. Right. And, uh, I had gone back to my house. I hadn't been there for a while. I had gone back there to go pick up off my buddy and the guy's girlfriend, or the girlfriend's boyfriend was there and she had told him that I, I pulled it on her that I was going to shoot her, which wasn't the case at mm. all. So obviously he wasn't too, uh, too thrilled to see me. Right. Mm. And, uh, <clears throat> I showed her up with a couple guys and, um, they're supposed to be my, my backup or whatever. As soon as these guys came down the stairs, cause I was in the basement, they left, they left me there. And the guy comes down with like this metal pipe and, he just kind of chirped off to me and uh, then he just started swinging at me and uh, we had like this big screen TV, those old ones there. And so he's hitting me with this pipe and the other guy just punched me, trying to block as much as I can. And uh, he cracked me a couple of times in the head, like my head split open, there was blood everywhere. I, may- I ended up falling into the TV. So I'm in this TV and they're like beating me and I'm like, my buddy, the one that actually would have done something, he's like passed out in my bed because he's taken over my room because I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Like he's out. He didn't even hear it. My other friend, she's sitting there and she's like traumatized because see these dudes like trying to kill me. And then mm-hmm. my one buddy that's supposed to be my bro, the one that has all the guns in the room is sitting in the bedroom on the bed like this, like not doing anything. So I managed to get out of the the, uh, the uh, TV <coughs> into his room and... Uh, hard kind of hard to see with blood all over the place right so he the guy's like you got 10 seconds to get out of the get out of the house or i'm gonna kill you and like i had like you know i only had like two options i look over in the closet their buddy's got all these guns so i like kill all these people because i can't leave any witnesses right mm. like that's what my mind state was so i'm like or i just go so i just went and uh they kept hitting me whatever i managed to get out of the house and i walked away from that and you know, I'm walking down 4th Street. Um, these, obviously, people are traumatized seeing this guy just covered in blood. And I'm just like, hey, can I borrow your cell phone for a second? And they're like, you need an ambulance. And I'm like, no, no, I don't need an ambulance. I just need a phone. Can you just call my call my bro? So the guy, mm-hmm. like, calls this number. The guys that left me, I thought they were still there with me. And they didn't come. So I ended up uh, going to this other person. These people are living in this garage a few blocks away. I went there and I threw a bandage on my head and... uh they drove me back to my girlfriend's house there and you know i didn't even go to the hospital like you know mm-hmm. I, I probably should have there's probably some damage that was happened there you know i should have <laughs> gone to the hospital but like i just went back to my girls and we just continued to smoke dope or whatever and you know uh it got to where like i had nothing again and you know i i i know where to go i had been to treatment before mm-hmm. i'm gonna try to go to treatment so i went back to sunrise to see if i could get in there luckily they they i ended up getting back in there and, uh, so <clears throat> during that time, I, I, I actually wanted to stay sober at that time because like I had, 
you know, a near death experience there. Like I was mm-hmm. like, man, this is where my life's going to take me if I keep going down this road. Right. Yeah. And, um, my mom's cancer had come back a little bit before that. So, you know, that's why I was going off the rails there. And so I was like, I really want to do this this time. And, you know, I, I did the program and I got out and I went into an Oxford house again. I think I have the record for most uh, times in Oxford house. <laughs> I, I, I've been in Oxford house like eight times. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Not bad. Well, my, my buddy Earl, he's like, he, he's the one that's like kind of in charge of it now, but I went yeah, to good, man. yeah. I went to Sunrise with him my second time. That's when I the second time back there is when I met him. Oh wow! And we, I was in, I was in there, and he was just coming off the streets like he was in rough shape, and like, uh, yeah. So we became friends, and then he ended up going to Oxford House, and then just working his way up, and he's still sober to this day. So mm-hmm. that whole time we'd had a we'd had a good friendship, right? So you know, I've been in and out so many times. Every time I go to treatment or ever, he's always got a. A place for me to go right so it was good uh good mm-hmm. relationship to see how you know if you if i would have stayed sore back then who knows where i would have been right but you know it's all our own personal journeys right so right. so uh i get out and i'm actually wanting to stay sober this time i ended up getting oh i think i got about six months or something somewhere around there but i'd, I'd uh i i moved out of an oxford house and i went in live my mom was living with her boyfriend at the time now and up in temple again so I rented the basement suite out there with another guy from AA. And uh, so we were, uh, I didn't stay sober too long in that place in the basement suite. Like uh, I was working again and I, and it wasn't too long before I was back at it. Right. And my, uh, my mom's boyfriend, he was, he was uh, in the program too. And he tried to help me out before when I was, when I was living in ranch lands with my mom, he gave me an, a big book and, I didn't even look at it. I just did lines off of that night. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want anything to do with this, right? So, like, he'd been in the picture since I was about 14, 15. And, like, he never pressured. He never he was like, well, if you ever need help, right? So, um, I ended up uh, <clears throat> I ended up working with him. He was a painter. So, I got a, I ended up painting with him for quite a while. And off and on, I'd relapse or whatever. And so, uh, yeah, the last time um, I... Uh, I relapsed, I moved out and, uh, they ended up letting me come back and I, I was living upstairs with my mom and her mom and her boyfriend. And, uh, <clears throat> there was always tension between, uh, it was always having, they were having kind of problems or whatever at the time. So he ended up moving out. So then it was just me and my mom in there. So it was good for a while, but you know, then I could just party more. And this whole time <clears throat> my mom's cancer was, was getting worse, you know, she was going through chemo and stuff and, um, I had, uh, I managed to sober up again. I went to, uh, where'd I go? I went to 835 and I sobered up, went into Oxford house again. This is the pattern. I just, mm-hmm. there Oxford house mm-hmm. or whatever. And then, uh, um, I had met a girl in, in the rooms. Uh, I was like, what was I? 24 at the time I met her and we started dating. I'd never really been in too many relationships. I wasn't really into that. I just wanted to party. But I met her and my mom met her and we started getting closer and uh, um, we ended up getting a place together downtown. We moved in together and at this time my mom was just getting sicker and sicker and then uh, she ended up going into the hospital for the last time. And uh, yeah, it was pretty hard. Like at the time I had, 
I had, um, uh, at nine months, I went after nine months because my girlfriend at the time, she was from Edmonton. So she'd go away to uh, Edmonton for the weekend sometimes. So when she would go away, I'd relapse for the weekend, just mm-hmm. get really messed up. And uh, so she had found out that uh, I relapsed finally because there was no hiding it. I came home trying to get some money so I could go buy some more dope or whatever, <laughs> bringing in the strange dude or whatever. So she's like, what? So then I ended up leaving. She, um, I ended up uh, going back to treatment, getting sober again. And um, when my... I, I went out after nine months and, you know, my mom was in the hospital uh, for about three three or four months and just got worse and worse. But I went out after nine months, but I still was going to meetings saying I was sober because I didn't want anyone to know, right? Mm-hmm. So I took a year cake, but I wouldn't have a year. And um, <coughs> like my mom was almost was almost out, out of the picture. And so I didn't want her to let her down. So mm-hmm. I uh, told her that I got a year and you know, I went to the hospital and, you know, she got, she got someone to buy me a birthday cake and, you know, just, uh, I just wanted her, didn't want to disappoint, I wanted her to see me that I, that I made it, that I stayed sober, right? And, you know, through the whole thing, like, I was always there for her when she went to the hospital all the time. Like, I was, even when I was messed up, I'd still go see her in the hospital. Like, my brother and sister, they kind of, they kind of stopped going there as much. They had problems with her boyfriend. They had, this. uh, whatever the relationship was but so they kind of stopped going there because he was there so like i was always going there so then i started building resentments against my brother and sister because like they're not there for her so there wasn't uh there wasn't much love in the in the family at that point right so um yeah i remember uh i was at work and uh it's crazy like uh because she was it was like any day she was gonna go we didn't know like they were going to take her to a hospice, but I got the end. She couldn't even talk. Like mm-hmm. it was cancer is a hell of a thing. Right. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Like our last talk, well, she could talk saying that like, she's not going to give up, but there's, you know, there's not much we can do right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was, uh, it was pretty hard to take, but, uh, so I was at work this one day and I just got this gut feeling that something, something happened. So I ran to my locker to check my locker and I got a phone call from the hot, from my, uh, I think my aunt called me or my sister saying that she'd passed. So I'm like, I I know it for a fact, like that, that minute that I had that, that gut feeling, mm-hmm. that is the minute she passed. And that's like so trippy, you know, mm-hmm. like when you can, you have that connection. Right. Yeah. So like I knew that. And then, uh, so we went to the hospital and, you know, uh, <clears throat> had the funeral or whatever. And me and my, uh, my girlfriend we were still living at the apartment this time actually and um about this was in april that she had passed uh april 22nd which was which was trippy because it was 19 years to the day my grandpa died mm-hmm. so it, like hit her mom or her dad so you know on the exact same day it's kind of trippy but uh and my grandma died uh in 99 so like i pretty much didn't have any grandparents for quite a long time right mm-hmm. So, um, uh, yeah, so, uh, when was it? I think about June or so we found out that, uh, my, uh, my girlfriend was pregnant and, uh, I was like, whoa, I'm like, I got to stay sober now. Like I got a kid coming on the way. Like Mm -hmm. I never really thought I'd have a kid. Like I would, 
I really, I didn't think I was going to live past 25, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. I thought I was just going to party and then just, because that, uh, that court case that I had from back then was weighing over my head. I, it got dealt with when I was 24 because I, uh, I ended up going to treatment and doing all that stuff. And I ended up getting an eight-month conditional sentence. Mm-hmm. Like, my the judge was going to give me six months, and the, the Crown's like, oh, well, you think she could have a little bit more time than that? Because they wanted three years in the pen. And she's like, I'm not putting this man in jail. He's, he's showing that he wants to change his life. And mm-hmm. so I ended up getting eight months initial sentence. So, boom, I, I worked the system, right? Yep. So um, so when uh, I found out that she was pregnant, I was like, man, I got to I gotta stay sober. And um, we ended up having a falling out or whatever. And I, I went back to 835 for the second time. And uh, <coughs> back in an Oxford house, that's the way she goes. Right on. And then... Uh, so when we we broke up after my relapse, and uh, uh, I was just like, man, I, I got to be there for for my for my for my daughter, right? And I was like, I can't. So I ended up we ended up getting back together shortly before she had the baby, and so I was able to be. I was in the in the room for the birth and everything, which is <laughs> it was a crazy experience, right? Like yeah, she'd never had kids before either, and like uh, yeah, it was quite the experience, and uh, you know, just seeing that. That little baby man and like i gotta and i got to change my life and i gotta i gotta take care of this baby right mm-hmm. so you know uh it was good we got a, we moved back in together we got a place and uh yeah like we're both new parents never had kids before and uh you know about we were about six months there and uh you know, I went back to the same way because I wasn't really going to too many meetings. I was working, you know, I wasn't, you know, the whole time going to AA and all that stuff, I kind of just went to meetings. I didn't really, you know, I didn't do the steps or any of that stuff, right? So mm-hmm. we go, um, we uh, ended up relapsing, obviously, and she got upset and I was like, you know, whatever, fuck you, I'll move out. Because I had a job at the time, so I didn't really care. I'll get a place, right? Mm-hmm. So I moved out and I got a little um a little bachelor suite up in bankview and um started working and uh i just go to work and you know started drinking on the weekends again and you know i was doing a little crack here and there and but i hadn't touched meth for for a few years at this point and uh i was getting some really shitty crack and i was like this stuff sucks and i was like (laughs) I was like, I need to get some meth, right? And I could, I lost all my old connections, and I ended up meeting up with my buddy, and he hooked me up, and then, so then I got back into that stuff again, and then slowly I'm like, I don't really need to be going to work anymore, and I started <laughs> selling, selling dope again, and I'm like, oh yeah, so I ended up just quitting my job. Like I stayed at the that job for over a year too, and so back in the same lifestyle, my fr- all the chaos that comes with it and whatever, and you know. Uh, yeah, so uh, during this time, I had met uh, my uh, girl, and was uh, turned out to be baby mama number two, and uh, so we uh, we got together, and it was uh, yeah, it was what you can expect from a relationship uh, revolved around drugs, right? It mm. was you know all the chaos that comes with it, and uh, I remember I just you know. There's only so long you can ride that high for, you know, before you just crash, you know, like you're having all the money and the people around and slowly you get, you know, you know, circumstances, you know, happen and you don't got anything anymore. And 
I ended up going to jail again and I got out after I only went there for five days or whatever and I got out and I was like I don't want to pay my rent so we ended up getting kicked out and uh <clears throat> moved into my dealer's place and you know that was just uh just a lot more chaos and you know uh ended up having a falling out with him and these guys uh who he worked for I guess were uh people you don't want to mess around with and some somehow they these guys said that I was going to rob my buddy which I wasn't at all and just people talking and these guys were going to throw me off the the balcony of this we're on like the fifth story of this place right so it wasn't uh wasn't uh very mm-hmm. you know it was a pretty tense situation can I say the least but uh thankfully they didn't throw me off the balcony mm-hmm. and uh it got out of that and we just uh just grinding every day just to get our high or whatever and you know it came to a point where i just like i don't want to do this anymore i want to go you know this is i have nothing i i've lost it all again mm-hmm. and uh i was like i'm going to renfrew tomorrow and uh she was going to come with she came with me too and i was like you can't talk to me though like can't because we can't be in a relationship they won't let us in if we're in a relationship so mm-hmm. I'm like, you got to pretend like we don't know each other so this was in the floods of uh 2013 like we were, I was riding my bike and I was like, holy, like what's going on? I didn't even know what was going on. We were like riding in through Kensington and we're like, everyone's leaving. Like the police are like, get to higher ground. And we, mm-hmm. we were just getting high and seeing for what stuff we could steal. Right. And yeah. So, uh, we ended up going to the Renfrew and <clears throat> she left like the next day. She's like, I got to go. So I, I ended up staying and, uh, went back to sunrise. This is 2013. And I was in there. She was, I was talking to her still and she couldn't, she never been in real recovery before. So like, she didn't really understand what was going on. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, I need to stay sober. And then about two weeks into me being there, she tells me that she's pregnant. And by this point I hadn't seen my, my other daughter for oh, about six months because of the you know, lifestyle I was living. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't let me see her. Right. So, you know, I'm like, I'm getting sober again. I got one kid that I haven't been able to see for six months. Now I'm getting another kid. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, everything always just, just life throws mm-hmm. it at me, right? And I'm like, oh, man, I really got to stay sober this time. And uh, the same thing, got out and go to another Oxford house. You <laughs> 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 know, Oxford house kept me sober, man, for, yeah. for sure, and these treatment centers. And because um, I broke up with her, and uh, we got back together about the same kind of thing just before she had the baby. Mm. I was in the delivery room again, and, She'd already had a few kids before, so that 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 uh, delivery was like easy. Like we were out of there in like two hours, it seemed like <laughs> just popped that kid right out. Yeah. Eh? So uh, we got back together. We ended up uh, uh, staying with my brother for a bit, and we had me and my brother out of falling out or whatever. And uh, so we got a place, uh, another place. She got an apartment, and I had moved out of my Oxford house to be with her. And then we get a place, but it's in her name it's like a low income thing whatever so i was supposed to be there so then we had a falling out or whatever and she's like kicks me out and i was like i was working painting at the time so i was like I, by this time i'd been going to to uh daily reflections for for like a year or whatever like i had 14 months sober at that time and i'm like are you serious so i was like whatever so instead of like ask for help because like i've been around the room for so many years mm-hmm. you know oh, i just have to call somebody i bet you someone let me stay on their couch or whatever right um I was like, oh, whatever. So I went to the, the Center of Hope. I'd never been in, in one of those places before. I was like, because I heard you can rent a room there. Mm-hmm. 
So I go, I rent a semi-private room or whatever. I was there for a couple days and I was just like, I was staring at my locker. I got a lock, two lockers with all my stuff in it. I'm like over a year sober and I'm like, what am I doing here? Right. I'm like, this is what, this is what my sobriety is like. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I was on one of these sites or whatever, talked to this chick and just went over to her place and, uh, she's, I had some M or whatever. So we started doing the M and got high all night and I was like, Oh, I might as well keep the party going did all her drugs and called my old people back. And then, uh, I had just got a check. So I had a bunch of money and, you know, I, I relapsed for a week straight smoking meth and, uh, ended up, uh, I'll never forget the last day, man. Like, uh, I ended up in the, uh, super eight motel in Banff trail. Oh yeah. We were in the penthouse suite. Okay. Cause my buddy had a, he was on a relapse too. He's the one that introduced me to A years ago. And I just so happened to call him and we're in a, I was in a, a trailer in Penbrook with my buddies smoking dope, watching trailer park boys. Like <laughs> the irony of that. I was like, we watched the whole season, the trailer, the new season of trailer park boys. And he calls me, he's like, Oh, come party. I'm like, okay. He's like, I'll pay for your cab. So there's like four of us. He pays for a cab from Penbrook to the super eight. I go there and, He's like in this room. It's like got two beds, another room over here with another bed. He's there by himself with a bottle of vodka. And I'm like, why do you got why do you got a bed a room with three beds in it? You're by yourself. And I was like, what's wrong with you? He's like, you got any dope? I'm like, well, I don't got any blow, but I got meth if you want. He's like, oh, okay, give me some of that. So I started giving he'd never done it before and he like went crazy, right? So I'm sitting there and I'm just looking around like by this point I've been up for seven days and like I'm ready to shut her down. Like I'm just looking around, you know, all the everything I just threw away that I built up over a year, right? And uh, I just remember like just sitting there, I just I just prayed to God, man. I was like, God, please just help me mm-hmm. to get out of this situation again. I don't want to live this life anymore. And uh so, you know, I got up and we left in the morning and I went back to uh, the center of hope and <clears throat> threw the rest of my dope away. And like, that's never happened. Like I'm going till there's nothing left. Mm-hmm. I had like almost a thousand bucks in my pocket still. And uh, I had to call my, uh, I was supposed to pick up my, my oldest daughter and take her to a swimming lesson that day. So I had to make the phone call to her mom saying that uh, I couldn't take her because I had relapsed. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's like, She'd seen it so many times before, so she was just like, oh, you know, so, you know, that kind of, you know, that failure, you know, that that's that I don't want to be, right? You know, she was still young mm-hmm. at the time, so she doesn't remember me using ever, right? Thank God, right? But, um, so I did that and uh, told her that and I called uh, this Fresh Start place. I'd never mm-hmm. been there before. So I called there and it turns out the, the woman that answers it, I... I've known for several years from the meetings, right? She answers. I was, I was like, yeah, it's Clark. She's like, oh, Clark. I was like, yeah, you know, I, I fucked up. I need help, right? So she's like, oh, you got to just call here every day. And I was like, call every day. I'm like, because usually like sunrise, you just call and usually they'll give you a date to come in, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I call every day. I'm like, okay, I'll do whatever it takes, right? So I go to Renfrew again. Right from there, I took a cab and they had, they let me in and, uh, they asked how much money I had on me, and I said how much money I had, and they, they said, oh, we can't let you in. And I was like, you can't let me in? Can I just go to the bank and, like, deposit my money and come back? They're like, no, you got to come back tomorrow. 
And, you know, that's like another like, you know, turning point. Like, you know, what do I, am I willing to do anything to stay sober? Right. So, you know, I was like, and every other time I've been to Renford, I always got in no problem. And then this time they wouldn't let me in because of the money I had. So I, um, I called my, my baby mom, my, the one that kicked me out and she, she had let me come back to the house and I, I detoxed on, in the apartment for, I don't know, about a week or so, pretty much slept Mm -hmm. and, um, continually calling fresh start every day. I ended up getting a job while I'm waiting for, to get in there. And so I'm going to this job every day, calling her every day. And, you know, I had about, uh, well, what about almost a month sober at the time. And I just remember like I'm at work and I'm just getting aggravated because, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to meetings with not too many because I got a little baby at home and working. So I'm just like, man, I'm I'm like, I like that day. I was like, if if I don't get in this day, like I'm going to, I'm going to go out and say, fuck it. Right. Mm. And I got this vibrate in my phone, my phone vibrate. And I like, cause I had like in this concrete plant. So I took off all my shit and went in there and it was a missed call from fresh start. I was like, called them yeah come in you got to be here come here today i'm like okay told my told my boss some bullshit excuse like i gotta go take care of my kids my mom my my daughter's mom's leaving and shit so i can't come back to work so mm-hmm. like okay went into fresh start and that's where uh that's where my recovery this last time began and uh yeah it was a it was a good place it went through all the 12 steps which i'd never done really before kind of half-assed it kind of thing mm-hmm. and you know, I, I went through the steps and, you know, there's so much support there for me. So I, uh, you know, when I went back there, we, like I had broke up with my baby mom at the time. Like I didn't want any, any distractions at all. I'm like, I'm there to get sober. I don't want no, no women, no baby mama drama and all that stuff. So that's what I did is just focus on myself. And, uh, I managed to graduate there, stayed there for five months, moved out. Where did I move to? Oxford an house. Oxford house you got it buddy just I'm down paying the, attention yeah man. yeah yeah just down the street <laughs> down the street from fresh start actually so I went there and oh, uh, nice yeah it was good and then um uh, my one buddy was trying to get into an Oxford house so I was like I called her I'm like oh my buddy's trying to get in he's like oh well, there's a place in Pembroke uh there's only one guy there everyone else moved out so how about you go over there and kind of run the house and uh bring your buddy there I'm like oh sweet so I go there and uh move in there and my buddy lasted not even a week. Mm. I was like, whatever. Like, lasted a week. Had to kick him out. He ended up dying about six months later of an overdose. Oh, sorry, man. And, uh, you know, that's just where the, you know, the, uh, since going to Fresh Start, I've had so many friends die from this disease, you mm-hmm. know. But, you know, I had, I kind of ran that Oxford house, like, as a as a second Fresh Start, like, uh, mm-hmm. second stage housing, because I'd always get guys from there mm-hmm. to move in there. So I had lots of my good buddies come through there, you know, like EJ, that's how I got him in there. He was mm-hmm. there for only all oh, about two months till he met his wife. And, yeah. you know, I'm out of here, right? All so, bets are off yeah. when he met her, his wife. Yeah, right? so I had him and, uh, you know, uh, my buddy Randy there, he that's he got him in there. He's passed mm-hmm. away too. And, you know. Um, yeah, that's too bad. That wasn't yeah. that long ago either. So. No, that was in October, I think yeah. it was. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's crazy, but like I had, you know, I always just had tried to help more people and, uh, you know, I had to kick out some of my friends or whatever, but, you know, I was so, you know, I just didn't want to go back to that life. So whatever it took, I was going to do Like I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to, you know, okay, bro, it's all good. You know, if you use mm-hmm. mine, you got to go, you know, 
I had to, I had to learn the hard way. You're gonna have to learn the hard way, and yeah. sometimes it doesn't work out, you know, the best. And you know, I remember the one time my buddy there, uh, Graham. He was only frick. I think he was only like 21 at the time or 22. Young kid. <clears throat> I had met him. He had gone through the house when I was. He wasn't in there when I was in there, but he'd gone through because I'd always go back there. And he went through, came from the pen. He relapsed. He had come back there after he went back to the pen for a bit. And he's all like graduating on the whatever day. And I was like, well, I got a room. And you want to you move in? He's like, yeah, for sure. So I was like, sweet. Mm-hmm. So he's like, well, I'm going to. He's like, is it okay if I go uh, spend the night at my girlfriend's house on the Friday. I'll come on Saturday. I was like, usually you're not supposed to do that, but I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, whatever, man. Just let me know what's up. I'm like, sure, cool. So, so he did that, <coughs> and then uh, it was about Wednesday night. I come home from work, and he's like cooking a meal, and he's cleaning the kitchen, and I'm like, the other guys didn't know like they didn't really know him so like i was i knew something was up but i didn't want to bring it up in front of everyone else so mm-hmm. i was like oh. so he like cooks all his meal for everyone he doesn't eat anything and i'm like i knew right then he was he was messed up right mm. so i'm like whatever so the next morning i get up to go to work and he hasn't gone to work he hasn't worked doesn't have a job yet i get up at like five in the morning and i'm like making my lunch or whatever he like gets comes downstairs mm-hmm. Like he's just waking up, but he'd been up all night, right? And I'm like, man, are you high, man? He's like, no, man, I'm not high. I'm like, just tell me straight up, are you high, man? We'll work with you because he didn't want to go back to the pen, right? Yeah. So I'm like, just tell me straight up. He's like, no, man, I'm not high. I'm like, you'll take a piss test? He's like, yeah, man. I'm like, okay, man. So then I left, I left, went to work, and then I called the outreach worker and told him, that, you know, you, you, you got to piss test him when, when, when you can because, like, he's been using for sure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so it was Thursday and, he was going to piss test him and uh, he just fessed up, said that he, that he did fentanyl cause he was a fentanyl user. And so he, uh, he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll leave. And so buddy offered him to go to Renfrew. He's like, no, I'll just go stay in my girlfriend's house. And you know, if he's got some more time and he'd come back in or whatever. And the next day, Friday, they, he was dead in his car. Jeez. You know, they found him on, uh, on the road there in Canyon Meadows in his car, hum, uh, slouched over whatever road he and he was like 22 or whatever. So like, you know, that hit me pretty hard, you know, cause I was like, I know it's nothing, it's not my fault, but I was like, man, like I was the one that, you know, put it on him. But it's like, you know, if I didn't, maybe he would have been dead in our house and that would be more traumatic. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's been a lot of, a lot of those, man, a lot of experiences like that. And, you know, I stayed at, uh, in that house for two years in that Pembroke house because uh, I really wanted to stay sober and um, you know I was had a built relationship with my kids and always was there taking them every weekend kind of thing and mm-hmm. working and just mm-hmm. doing the deal right doing service work chairing meetings you know yeah. uh, building my recovery circle like bigger and bigger right and staying involved and not being on the outskirts right and mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, what was it 2017 I guess you know I'd I had finally got my license because that was a goal of mine. I got my license. And then so uh, I had built up a little bit of credit. So uh, for some reason, they thought, oh, you got a good enough credit. You could get a, you could get a nice car. So mm-hmm. I was like, so I was like, yeah, sure. So I get this Dodge Charger, my first car. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty sweet. And uh, by that time, I'm working at Fresh Start now. Like uh, after I got my two years, I started working there. And uh you know, I started doing two jobs and so I was working there and then I met this girl and, uh, 
you know, uh, started off pretty good. Like we were, uh, I don't know, like I never really loved my baby moms, you know, like I, you say you love them, but you really don't have, you know, it's just kind of a word kind of, you know, but I felt this connection with this girl and, uh, I really did, uh, like fall in love with her, even though we weren't together for too long. And, uh, situations happened where she was, um, in this drug court and they wouldn't let me see her. So, you know, we, uh, we tried to see each other for a while and we kept getting, she kept getting caught. I actually got caught in her, in her, uh, Oxford house in her women's Oxford house. <laughs> the, uh, outreach worker, uh, got told that we were hanging out or something. So like I was, my car's parked out front of that place and like, we're just about to watch a movie and bang on the door and i'm like oh shit and i'm like so i like run and go hide in the closet in her room and the he like comes in he's like clark i know you're in here and i was like she's like stand there she's not saying anything and I, she's like he's like clark i know you're in here come out and i'm like fuck you know i'm fucked now because i've always moved out of oxford house on good terms and everything mm-hmm. right and uh because earl earl said uh he's like usually you should have been kicked out after like 24 40 hours you're out mm-hmm. of here right so uh like she got a forty-eight hour eviction notice, and like that means she's going back to jail because she's in drug court. And uh, so they're like, "Clark, you." He's like, "Go home." He's like, "You're, uh, you're, you have to move out at the end of your lease. You get a two-month lease for it." So I had like another month and a half to stay there if I wanted mm-hmm. to, but I was just like, "Oh, I don't know." So she ended up going to jail for a little bit. Uh, I ended up <coughs> moving out at the end of the month, moved into a friend's place in their basement, and um. So she ended up getting out of jail. She was still, I'd still go see her in jail. I'd go see her at the remand and mm. uh, her uh, drug court worker got wind of it. And like, if it's going to keep happening, she's going to go to jail for longer. So mm-hmm. had to break it off, but you know, I ended up seeing her when she came out of jail again, one more time. And um, I know I had to let it go. It, you know, it was pretty hard. Uh, you know, like just before she went to jail, I crashed my, my charger with her in it. We were ever into someone and like I was taking her to to the mustard seed because she had to stay there bef- uh, for a while before they'd let her go back to Oxford House. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, it was pretty. So she ended up staying at my house that night. But um, so I had, I had crashed my car, uh, lost my girlfriend, uh, all within the same week. And uh, so I'm like pretty, you know. And I lost my job at the time too. I ended up quitting uh, Fresh Start and go and work somewhere else and um so i moved out all of this all happened within a week you know it always happens everything happens mm-hmm. all at once right so um i was pretty messed up for a while i didn't think about drinking or anything but you know i was pretty messed up and i had lost his relationship or whatever but uh you know i slowly came back and you know everything happens for a reason i guess and i uh started uh just keep working and i uh ended up uh Going into another relationship here just recently in, in like October or September or something like that. And while I was in this relationship, I had found out that the girl that I was with, uh, when she went to jail, she she was in a new relationship. And like whenever she'd see me somewhere, she had to leave because like, we had a no contact order. So the last time I actually seen her was at recovery day this year. And I seen her and I was like, I can't talk to her or anything, but, you know, I always... I want to talk to her, but I, you know, I can't, right? But I was with this other girl at the time, so I was like, whatever. And then um, in October, I found out that uh, she had relapsed and the house that she was living in, uh, the Oxford house or whatever, I think it was, 
was the one I was living in. They switched it to a to a uh, female house, hmm. and I guess she ended up hanging herself in that in that uh, house. Hmm. And uh, I was never real able to like grieve because I'm like in this new relationship, mm-hmm. and like it, I just found out, and I'm just like, Jeez, and she was like 25 years old, man. I'm like, fuck, and and like that week, you know, that I found that out. I was in this new relationship and we were, we had, you know, I like to move fast. So like we had, we were together like two weeks and we moved in together and we got mm-hmm. a place. Right. And within that two weeks of being there, like, uh, she had OD'd and relapsed and mm-hmm. like, uh, she, you know, she died on my, on our apartment floor and I had to do CPR on her. And like, you know, that was traumatic enough. And then, Fuck, dude. you know, like, and then like the next, the next, like three days later, I find out that my ex-girlfriend hung herself mm-hmm. and i'm just like holy man and i'm like yeah so this relationship relationship i was in at that time started off kind of rocky and you know obviously supposed to be sober together and mm-hmm. you know he relapsed and died you know you know mm-hmm. so uh things change when we die man oh yeah for sure they do yeah, yeah. People especially don't forget that especially when you gotta you gotta revive them you know yeah. it's like pretty People crazy don't forget that man. yeah so like yeah. uh after that, you know, uh, situations arose, and like I just didn't want to be in the relationship anymore because it was no, it wasn't built on trust, right? So, you know, I ended up uh, moving out or whatever. And now, you know, life's good. You know, I, I'm, I uh, broke up with her and I laid off my job and moved out all in one, pretty much all in one week, right? Mm-hmm. It's just things always happen. You know, life's always going to happen. That's what I like to say. Like, you know, through all this stuff I've been through, like all the you know, the crazy lifestyle that I led before recovery and, you know, even all the stuff that, that happened to me in recovery, like all the deaths and, you know, just the, the crazy experiences, right? You know, like, you know, I've stayed sober through all that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the main thing. Like before, like I wouldn't need an excuse to go out. I just go mm-hmm. out and say, fuck it, right? And I haven't had the case of fuck it in a long time. And like, So what was the difference this time? You know, I really, I like to say that I know, but I really you know, I think something just clipped, like, in that hotel room that day, like, I I really do believe that when I asked God for help that time, like, he really, mm-hmm. I had, like, a spiritual awakening in that hotel room, like, I knew that this time was going to be different, and no mm-hmm. matter what, like, I think that that moment that I asked, like, that obsession to use it was gone, was lifted, mm-hmm. and, like, I, I've, obviously, I'll have his thoughts here and there, and, like, once in a while in my dreams, I'll get fucked up, and I'll be like, whoa, wake up in the morning, mm-hmm. I'm like, did I relapse? But I didn't, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, through the day, like, I don't, uh, I don't obsess about that. You know, I know where I come from and where I don't want to go back to, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think this time around, like, I just got honest with myself and uh, just all the chaos and all the hurt and pain that I put everyone close to me through, like, uh, I I really realized that, like, with all the, all the funerals and memorials I've mm-hmm. been to, like, uh, seeing their families how much pain they're in you know like that like eats away at me like i remember like just last summer too my buddy he got out of the pen and uh he was my old buddy from back in the day using and stuff and he got out and he was doing good he was he never went to the rooms he didn't want to be in. so i was like his mm-hmm. recovery lifeline kind of thing so we'd go work out and go eat and mm-hmm. you know just hang out i was his, his sober buddy and um we hang out all the time and he had a daughter about the same age as my oldest and uh he was living in the halfway house there and he got an apartment uh just down from there so he could go like not have to be there all the time so uh we're hanging out all the time and 
<clears throat> I remember this, uh, he's like, oh, can you talk to my parole officer for me? Like as a, their support saying that I'm doing good. I'm like, yeah, for sure, bro. No problem. So I called uh, this afternoon, the afternoon and I talked to, she's like, oh, I was just about to call you. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, Chad's doing real good. He's he, like, he's doing good. I go taking meetings. And, well, I don't take meetings. I'm just going to tell him taking meetings, right? Yeah. But like we go, we go work out at the gym. He's doing real good. He's sober. He's, he's got a business. He's working with his buddy, making good money. And I'm like, yeah, it's all good. She's like, oh, that's good to hear. It's really good to hear. I got off the phone. I called him right away. It went to, he didn't answer. So I left his message. I'm like, hey, bro, I just got off the uh, phone with your parole officer. Nothing but good words. Uh, give me a shout back. Didn't hear anything from him. He always had his phone on. I'm like, he'd always call me back right away. I'm, just, I'm like, what? Something's weird, right? Mm. And about two hours later, my other buddy who was in Fresh Air at the time was in, he was in the joint with him. So he knew him for, from in there. And he, he called me. He's like, he's like, oh, Chad's dead. I was oh. like, what? Jeez. He's like, yeah, they, his partner came there to pick him up for work. He wasn't answering his phone. So he got his, the landlady to open up the door and he's on his, uh, on his couch with a needle in his arm. Jeez, dude, I'm sorry. And, uh, you know, I was like, man, I was like, he was doing so good. You mm. just never know, man. And there's, there's, I think it was his first time just going back to her and, you know, I went to his his funeral and, you know, uh, there was only a little bit of his family there. And, like, he he was older than me. He was, like, in his 40s. And he's mm-hmm. he knows lots of people. And, you know, how many – you see how many people are really there for you after when, when you mm-hmm. – when you're gone, right? Like, it was it was sad. It was me and my buddy and a couple guys and a couple of staff from the halfway house were there. I'm just like, that's the legacy you got, you know. Yeah. It's just so sad, the life's, you know. And – uh so after that, uh, it messed me up a bit, right? Uh, seeing mm-hmm. that happen again, like I've—I don't even know how many memorials I've been to, funerals of my friends, you know. And I just can't believe that, you know. I don't know why, th- you know, it happens, but you know, I believe that through all those, all that pain, uh, that we, that I get stronger, right? Like mm-hmm. seeing so many of my friends die, and like I really didn't think that I would last this long. And I was just talking to my one buddy. He lives in Vancouver now, and he he's had a hard time getting sober too. And last year, he he uh, his twin brother died in his arms, oh, and so he went back out for a bit. And he was just here about a couple months, not even two months ago now. And uh, he came here to get his youngest brother because his youngest brother is getting real messed up. And my buddy's got about he had about two months in at the time, so he came out here to get him to uh, bring him to Vancouver to get him sober and. You know, uh, I was talking to him like, man, like we had this house in Forest Lawn and all our buddies there and uh, freaking me and him are the only ones still left alive. Mm. All the other ones have died yeah. from overdose or it's like, and like we were the craziest ones of the, uh, out of all our friends too. Mm-hmm. It's like me and you are still alive. It's crazy. Like we never know like when our next time is so, like mm-hmm. life's so precious, man. And like, you know, now he's doing good, but like it's... uh I don't know. God has a plan for us all. And I believe, really do believe that through everything that I've experienced, that my purpose on life is, is just to help others. And, you know, through all the struggles I have had, I can share that with people. And, you know, if I can get through all this stuff, all this pain, you know, anyone can. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I, you know, from, you know, death has since my mom's passed away, that was the hardest one that's ever you know, so yeah. after that, it's it's still hard, but it's not as like I just kind of 
especially being in recovery for so long, you just get used to it. You know, yeah. it's it's sad, you know, but, you know, a couple guys this last week died, but they died sober, mm-hmm. you know, they died sober and, yeah. you know, that's died of heart attacks, you know, it's like, but they died sober and you never know when it's going to be your time, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, that's, uh, that's why I got to remember where I come from and where I want to be and I, you know, what kind of, who do I want to be remembered? You know, why, what, what do I want to be my legacy, right? I don't want my legacy to be just another, you know, addict that's overdosed and died, man. I want to have, you know, gone through that lifestyle and come out, come out on the other side mm-hmm. and made it, you know, a survivor, I guess you'd say, yeah. you know, because places I've been and places everyone in the rooms have been, you know, we've been in some pretty, pretty terrible places, but it's true. through these struggles, man, uh, you know, I've grown so much, man. Like, uh, I really didn't believe that uh, I would ever get sober, man. Like, uh, it's been 10 years in and out of the program. I ten, 10 years in and out. You know, some people go out once and they never come back. Yeah. So, obviously, there's a purpose for me. And I do believe that, you know. So, how long have you been back this time? Oh, a couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> Four and a half years now. Four and a half years, right? Yeah. When was your birthday? September 7th. I knew it was around, like, yeah. the in August, so I, yeah. I remember it about the same time. Actually, this September, I'll have five years, and, you know, nice when I, <clears throat> from the moment I went into Fresh Start, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do this no matter what, I'm doing it, mm-hmm. you know. I don't always do what's, you know, what other people do, you know, it took me a while to, you know, do the steps, and I really don't have a sponsor now or whatever, but I have people I can talk to, and, you know, whatever works for you to stay sober, I think that's the the main thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got lots of good people in my life today. And, you know, I, I made these goals when I was in Fresh Start that I want to, I want to get my year plaque on the wall. So I got that. I want to get my driver's license. I got that. My next goal was to, uh, to get my five-year jersey up on the rafters. Mm-hmm. And fuck, I'm going to get that. Fresh Start hangs their, they hang alumni jerseys, Flames jerseys from the ceiling. And then at the back, um, at the back of the gymnasium, they have on the windows, they have the names of the people who've passed mm-hmm. from overdose there. Yeah, it's quite an, it's quite an, an incredible um, tribute. Really. Yeah. Yeah. The difficulty of staying sober for that time, but also to the, those who don't make it. Yeah. Yeah. And like I know, so many of those people on that back wall which is sad but uh yeah. i also know people up in the rafters which is which is good right so that's what you're gonna get in recovery though yeah right? yeah you're gonna know the ones that die and the ones that stay so yeah so i'm glad that i'm on this side and you know i always gotta remember that uh just that one one split decision i can just throw it all away and mm-hmm. i might not come back i really do believe if i was to go back out i wouldn't come back because mm-hmm. <clears throat> i know several people in the program that had years in and uh you know they've gone back out and they've struggled to get back in and stay sober yeah. and you know some of them too and it's sad to see like they used to you know, i used to look up to them and now they're looking up to me like that's mm-hmm. the crazy thing about this disease you never know that's why we always got to be you know humble and 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 compassionate to others because mm-hmm. we never know when we could be in their shoes right because well, yeah it could be I've, our turn. I've been in that i've been coming back so many times you know so that new person coming in or that person that's relapsed however many times, how many treatments. Like I went to treatment nine times, yeah. nine times. 
you know, and I, but something finally clicked and I got it. Mm -hmm. So you never know. So I always remember that. And I try not to judge others in the rooms. That's the biggest thing is we, we all have our own paths, our own journeys and however we get there. But the main thing is we got to stay sober and just try to, you know, just remember other people's feelings and, and try to, to be helpful because my whole life I have been not helpful. <laughs> you know, I have been selfish, self-centered, all that stuff that the big book says. That was me. And I still got to remember, you know, that I can be like that in sobriety too. Mm-hmm. So I got to keep a close check on those defects of character. And I got to, I continually pray like, man, like I, I pray every day, all the time. I, I had a little prayer before I came in here. You know, I got to, mm-hmm. I got to, you know, I never prepare anything when I speak. I just speak, right? So I don't know for, that's my story and I'm sticking to it, I guess, you know. Right so. on. Well, I appreciate it, man. Um, yeah, and uh, again, as most of us worry about the losses, man. You yeah. know, it was, uh, Randy's was hard. Mm. He was hard on a lot of people. Yeah. I, I honestly, I just, my heart broke for you guys. Yeah. Because you guys were really close with him, right? Like, yeah. Um, I always got a wonderful feeling off of him every time I saw him. Just, yeah an easygoing guy, but I uh, didn't know him the way you guys did. Yeah. I remember when he, when he passed, I, cause his, you and some other friends of his, I was friends with too. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. and <clears throat> yeah, it affected all of you. Yeah. I was pretty worried about lots of you. Then, yeah. Cause I mean, he was a good guy, right? Yeah. Obviously. So, um, yeah. And shit, man, <sighs> I'm just grateful you stayed through all of it. Yeah. You know, um, because I see how you impact other people in the room. I do. I see it. And I think it's impressive. You know, I think it's impressive. And I, in a way that is, I'm not trying to like blow smoke up your skirt. I'm just saying that. I am wearing a skirt. Well, I know you yeah. are. And I was going to tell people that he's wearing a skirt. We didn't bring the video camera yeah. or else we'd be able to see um, Clark in a skirt. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not wearing any underwear. No, either, just and my so legs are open. Know. Yeah. And yeah. he's sitting like, uh, what was that movie? <laughs> Fatal Instinct? No, yeah. Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction, yes, yes. <laughs> he keeps changing his legs. <laughs> um, but I just, man, thank you for coming yeah. again. And thank Appreciate you for just being yourself out there, man, because yeah. we have to be. Yeah. Know? Like you mentioned a couple of things, but one of them you said trying to make this your own, Yeah. right? Just like people have to do. Because yeah. if we don't make it our own, we won't stay. That's right. It'll just be something that somebody else wants us to do. And anyone who knows anybody who's an alcoholic or an addict, we are eventually not going to do it just because you want us to. Yeah. We have to actually want to. Yeah. Right. So finding a way that works for us is imperative. Right. Um, again, thanks a lot, Clark. Anytime. And I love seeing pictures of you with your girls on the yeah. on the Facebook or interwebs. Yes. So yes. keep it up. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, cool, man. We would like to remind you that the opinions shared are those of the individuals and not representative of Freedom's Path Recovery Society or any other affiliation we may share with organizations or individuals. Thank you, Wild Rose United Church, for your open-hearted giving to the community at large in a multitude of ways. You have graciously provided space and love for us to work within, and we cannot thank the staff, volunteers, and members of the church enough for all that they do each and every day. Thank you again, Darcy Robinson. As usual, your work is incredible. Thanks for donating it to us. I am not here without each of our board of directors, Trent Baker, Todd Deer, Christine Pimiskern, Heather Morijo, Wayne Lurie, and John James. To all of the individuals who graciously donate their money and time to helping Freedom's Path become a society 
and now a charity, thank you. Who is Freedom's Path? We work directly with individuals and families struggling and suffering from, with addiction of all types, mental illness, codependency, and a multitude of difficulties humans bring forward as they attempt to make life-altering changes. If you are interested in attending our upcoming or future groups, being a guest on the podcast, or looking to make a donation or help in some other way, please contact us through our website, www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca, or find us on Facebook at Freedoms Path Recovery Society. If you are close to giving up, regardless of what your difficulty might be, please reach out to someone. You can always give up tomorrow, or maybe you won't have to. To anyone listening, imagine that your voice might be the only one someone hears inside their darkness. What is it you would like to say? As for me, I'm David Lurie, and I wish you all the best, wherever you are. Be safe and try to have some fun, because our time here is quite limited after all.